Hey guys, what's going on? My name is Lucas, and welcome back to Shoot the Football Fair podcast. Podcast where I talk about random shit in sports, and hopefully people like it. Not a crazy week in sports, not anything too insane. If I remember correctly, this is the week that Luca got his massive contract extension. Great, you know, great for him, great for the Mavericks as well. I mean, obviously it was coming, it's not like he was going to be able to go anywhere anyways. But, I think the big question is, can they build a team around him? You know, they haven't really done a fantastic job yet. You know, they got players there, but a lot of them aren't as good. Like, you got Chris Stops, and he hasn't really been as good. I mean, you got a solid team over there, obviously. But I wonder if they'll actually be able to build a championship-winning team around him or if he's going to end up going the way of a LeBron where they just didn't build a good team. Now, I, I get it. LeBron's team was absolutely abysmal, and that was just completely mismanaged. But you can see it especially happening. Now, sticking with the NBA, you know, things in the free agency are starting to wind down. Teams are starting to shape up. You're starting to see what the league is going to look like this year. Summer League is going on right now. And, you know, you can you can say a couple of things here and there. We're seeing Cade and Jalen Green and Suggs and Mobley and all of them play. At the end of the day, there's not much stock to take in when it comes to Summer League. Let's be honest. It doesn't really mean jack shit. I mean, you can go out there and ball up in Summer League. It doesn't mean anything for the NBA. You know, it's nice to see you look at someone like Cade or Jalen Green, who we haven't really seen play at all, or at least not in the public eye, I should say. And, you know, it's nice to see what they can do. But, again, you look at people like Brandon Clark and Josh Hart were both Summer League MVPs, but, I mean, you know, they're solid players, but, I mean, they're nothing special. So it's kind of like a preseason, but it's not nearly at, it's not even. it's not even a preseason, though. It's not nearly as impactful. Like I said, don't take too much stock into what happens during the summer league. Now, as I was saying, like teams are starting to shape up. So, Bleacher Report released a power rankings type thing post free agency, right? And you look at it, and I mean, you have the Nets at one. That makes enough sense. Bucks at two makes sense. They just won a championship. Lakers at three. I don't really agree with that. I mean, I get it. You still have LeBron and AD. You bring in Westbrook. I get it. I don't agree with that, but it's not the craziest thing. Heat at four. I don't agree with that at all. I think, I mean, like, they brought in good players. I'm expecting them to play well. I just don't trust that team. I don't trust a Jimmy Butler and Kyle Lowry team. You got Bam, too. I mean, like I said, it's a solid team. I think they'll definitely be in the playoffs. I think they'll be a competitor for the championship. I don't think they're four. They're not above the Suns, who they put at five. They're not above the Jazz, who they put at six. They put the Hawks at seven. I don't agree with this just because I think it's a one-year thing. I think they're on the right track, and I think they'll be good again. I don't think they're on... I mean, even if, I guess, technically, if you're at seven, that would be fourth in the East. So I could see them being fourth in the East, but... Sixers at eight. Now, that confuses me. But, you know, when I say that, to be fair, it is tough to really... to predict the Sixers. If they're as they are right now, I don't think they make the playoffs. That's not true. I think they make the playoffs. I don't know. I just, I don't know. The Sixers are such a tough team to predict. As of now, I don't think the Sixers are going anywhere special. Maybe they make the playoffs. I think they're a first-round exit, in my opinion. I think they're a first-round exit. Nine, they put the Warriors. I kind of like this. I think the Warriors are ready for a bounce back with healthy Curry, with a healthy Klay Thompson, Bringing in Kuminga and Moody, I think, will bring some energy to the team. I don't know. They'll bring a jolt of energy to that team. I think bringing, or not bringing, but uh, Wiseman will have a good jump this year. Draymond's still a really, really good defender. I think that team's really solid. 
if I were them, I would have tried harder to try to bring in Miles Turner or someone like that because I feel like that could have ex- really exploded that team's potential. But at the end of the day, I still think 9 is a solid place for them. Nuggets at 10, okay. Mavericks at 11. Knicks at 12. That one's a little bit risky, but again, I think, I think they made some good moves in free agency. Bulls at 13. Don't get me wrong. I think the Bulls made some good moves, especially since they lost all their draft picks for the next couple of years. But, I mean, Lonzo Ball, solid pickup. But the money, and then you you still have Levine, you still have Vucevic. Patrick Williams and Kobe White are still young potential stars. But bringing in DeMar DeRozan, I don't really think helps that team out. Like, no offense, I think DeMar DeRozan is a great player and will be, will be remembered as such. But he, his game, the way he plays the game of basketball doesn't really fit the new age. And I, I hate to sound like that, but it doesn't really fit the new age. And they don't really have someone who can. I mean, you got Levine. Levine is a great player. Other than that, Lonzo Ball, I, I, I should say, Lonzo Ball is a great, you know, pure point guard. But he's not a knockdown three-point shooter. Obviously, DeMar DeRozan is not. Vucevic is a center and can shoot the three ball. I don't really like the moves. they. I like the moves they made, I should say. I don't really like bringing in DeMar DeRozan. I don't really think they're going to compete. I don't think they're going to make a playoff this year. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Now, here's the thing. Them at 13 is one thing. Who they have under them. I'm going to skip down a little bit. At 19, you have the Grizzlies. A team you would expect to have a solid upgrade. Or they would continue to grow. At 18, they have the Clippers. You mean you mean the team that almost made the championship, right? You have them at 18. And I know Kawhi is hurt. And he hasn't technically re-signed yet. But he's supposedly going to re-sign. And he's not like he's missing the season. At least I, at least not as of now. And it's still pretty much the same team. At least the quiet injury makes sense. At 17, they have the Pacers. Which I just don't get because this is a team that, with the same roster, plus, or same roster but not as good because they didn't have Karis LeVert, was on track to win 50 games just a couple of years ago. What's What changed? It's recency bias, obviously. But this isn't even as crazy. At 16, they have the Celtics, who actually brought in Dennis Schroeder, which I think is great. But they still have Marcus Smart. They still have Jason Tatum. They still have Jalen Brown. I'm not a massive fan of the Celtics. I think they're a couple of pieces still away from winning a championship. But how do you put them at 16? Whenever you put the Hornets, yes, the Charlotte Hornets at 15. This is a team that finished under the injured Pacers, under the Wizards, under the Celtics last year. All they did was bring in Kelly Oubre. They drafted James Boonight and Kai Jones, which not, not that's, a, that's a pretty good draft haul right there. I think both those players will be solid, or at least Kai Jones. I think he is set up to be really good in this league. And you think they're going to finish magically above the Pacers, who, if you really look at it, bring in Chris Duarte, who's apparently you know a guaranteed solid really or solid really good player if you look the Warriors they're predicting him to be a Klay Thompson clone and they also brought back TJ Warren from injury and they brought in a stud coach in Rick Carlisle and they're 
They're also predicting Charlotte to beat the Celtics, who last year were better than them and are still better than them. This one blows my mind, is putting the Hornets at 15. It just doesn't make sense. You go up, you put the Bla- the Blazers at 14, which is tough not to put them up there because of Lillard. I get it. 13, the Bulls. I've already talked about this. Fucking stupid. I just, above the Celtics and the Pacers and the Clippers, in my opinion, the the the, 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 the Blazers? How? It's funny because in a, in a separate... Bleach Report article, they listed DeMar DeRozan as the worst signing. <laughs> Either way, I I, find, I found that a little bit funny. Um, I do think the Nets should be at the top, personally. But if I'm putting some teams around, I'm putting the Bulls, the, Bla- and the, the, Bulls, the Blazers, and the Hornets below the Celtics, Pacers, and Clippers. Pretty easily. Um, I mean, the Pacers will always be predicted to not make the playoffs i mean it's pretty much every year and last year was correct mostly because of injury and apparently mr clean is apparently an awful coach but i think this year i mean rick carlisle is a proven great coach and i think that when bringing him in i think they'll they're gonna make the playoffs i don't know what seed it's gonna see what they do and it it depends on how they use the you know the combination of sabonis and turner but that is a topic for another day when i talk about more what i think is going to happen in the league so, moving on to the NFL. Training camp is in full swing. Preseason starts this week. There's actually already been a ga- the Hall of Fame game already happened. I'm um, just going to go through some news and talk about some of the things. Starting off with the Colts, probably the biggest news in training camp so far. Not biggest news, but the biggest team worrying about injury and all this stuff. According to reports, Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are both trending towards playing in Week 1, which is... Fantastic to hear, considering that would be probably that would be almost exactly the five week mark. It felt like with Quentin Nelson, it was probably going to be the shorter of the two there, but with Carson Wentz, you just had no idea. But hearing both of them trending in the right direction is great, especially when you look at the beginning of their schedule. We already talked about it in last podcast. The beginning of their schedule is probably the hardest in the NFL, and especially having Quentin Nelson and Carson Wentz for those games, I think is going to be massive. I mean, that could be the difference in making the playoffs right there. That alone. Another thing, I think, I think it was, it was someone in the NFL analyst sphere put, and I I didn't see the actual video. I just saw people took, take screenshots of this. They predicted, they they are predicting the Colts to go seven and 10, miss the playoffs. Worst case scenario, four and 13, which I can say, worst case scenario, I could see a very rough year. But I'll talk about that in a minute. But their best case scenario was 9-8. and eight, Which is weird because if you really look at it, best case scenario is Carson Wentz and Quentin Nelson are healthy week one. They get 2017 Carson Wentz. The team just continues to get better. And they're the best team in the NFL. That's best case scenario with a team like this. Because... I've talked about this before. Colts are an insanely well-built team. The only issue for them the last couple of years has been the quarterback position. And their team is just, it's only getting better. They have the one of the best offensive lines in the game, if not the best. If you look at just strictly trios, they probably have the best trio of running backs in the league. Now, is that trio of running backs better than just Derrick Henry by himself? No. But, it's not the point. Except from top to bottom, one of the best-built teams in the league. If they get 2017 Carson Wentz, 
I don't see a way where the Colts aren't a top two or three team in the NFL. Just that simple. Best case scenario was not nine and eight. Now I could see a four and thirteen year. You got to look at it like this: they have a really tough start. Let's say Carson Wentz, even though he's trending, he has a setback, right? And he doesn't play for the first six weeks. Hell, he doesn't play for the first eight weeks. That's worst case scenario. They start what one and seven, two and six maybe because it's a tough schedule. Jacob Eason and Sam Ellinger aren't ready yet, and they start like two and six, one and seven maybe. Then it just kind of starts to snowball, and they kind of just, you know, give up on the season, per se. They come back, and they rebuild for the next year, but they end up around 4-13. and 13. I would say probably closer to 5 or 6 wins, but... So I could see a worst-case scenario where that happens. The only issue is, is that I just I don't think it's going to happen. And they do have a really tough schedule this year, so them missing the playoffs is a very real possibility. I just think they're going to be one of the better teams in the NFL this year, and I think they're going to win those games. So, moving on, and more in the AFC South, there's a couple more things I need to talk about. First off, the Texans. I didn't realize this. Why did they decide they want to have all the running backs in the league and just not be good at anywhere else on the team? Now, I said the Colts might have the best trio of running backs. I think I lied. Now, if, if you add in the offensive line, I think Colts win that, win that battle. But they don't. Because the Texans have David Johnson, Philip Lindsay, and Mark Ingram. They also have Rex Burkhead. Why? I just, I just don't get it. Like, from a player's perspective, if that's, if that's all you can get, okay. But from a team perspective, why? Why would you want to bring in four f- flipping running backs and you just don't build your team anywhere else? Because the Texans are awful. They're, they're unanimously predicted to be the worst team in the NFL. I feel like everywhere I see, they're the worst team. So why would they decide, hey, let's just get all the running backs and not get, not build the team anywhere else? Taking out legal issues. Here's the difference between Deshaun Watson and Aaron the, the Deshaun Watson and Aaron Rodgers situations. Aaron Rodgers has a really good team around him. The Packers GM Brian whatever has done a fantastic job of building that team. Maybe he didn't do a good enough job at pleasing Aaron Rodgers, and you can blame him for that, but the team around him is very, very good. You look at Deshaun Watson, and I know it was Bill O'Brien for the most part, there was no team around him. So when both these players ask out, there's one player who deserves to ask out, and the other one that, I mean, sure, maybe he deserves it, but, I mean, it's not because of the team around him, right? Either way, I I just found it funny. It's like, how bad that team is. They have all the running backs. I'm just like, okay. To all their own, I guess. All right, the final AFC South team I want to talk about, the Jaguars. Apparently, Urban Meyer coming out saying there's a QB competition between Minshew and Trevor Lawrence. If there was a competition, Trevor Lawrence... If there was any competition, like it was actually going to be close, Trevor Lawrence wouldn't be a Jaguar because they would have won more than one game last year. It's not a competition. I mean, I can see why he's saying it, to make sure Trevor Lawrence goes out there and plays well and... Make sure he wins the job. I get that. And usually you don't want to play a rookie quarterback right away if you can if you can help it. But when the other quarterback is Gardner Minshew, who, I mean, I love Gardner Minshew as a person. He's a, he's a very interesting character. If he was a good quarterback, it'd be really, really fun. And I know a lot of people want him to be a good quarterback because of how fun that would be. But, I mean, he's not really that good of a quarterback. He had a shot to win the job last year. He had a whole season, and he didn't. He didn't do it. 
So there isn't really competition there. I feel like that's just to make sure Trevor Lawrence goes out there and plays well. Moving on to the next QB competition. Apparently the Broncos are seeing no separation between Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater. This one's a tough one. Drew Locke has shown some potential. And it feels like he could be good. He just hasn't been good yet. Now, is that is that because he has no offensive line? Maybe. But it feels like the Broncos actually have a solid offensive line and a solid team over there. So, I don't know. You also have Teddy Bridgewater, who, I don't know, man. I feel like he's just gotten a bad rap in the NFL. I feel like he's always been a solid quarterback. He can lead a team to a championship if you get him on the right team. Yeah, I was kind of hoping... For a while, you know, the Colts would go out and get him. Because I feel like he's a solid quarterback that just hasn't gotten a good rap. So, but I I don't know. I I genuinely don't know. Because like I said, Drew Locke has potential. You know, he he, he seems like he has potential. He just doesn't live up to it. Kind of like a Daniel Jones. But Daniel Jones doesn't have any competition around him. So, next QB talk I want to talk. Apparently, it's too close to call between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill for the Saints. It's not. I'm going to tell you right now, it's, it's not. Because we saw the difference between Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill last year. Jameis Winston was actually really solid. He can help that team try to continue to win, even if they are in flux and about to uh, just completely self-destruct. But Taysom Hill barely beat a quarterbackless Broncos team last year. Barely. If the... Broncos had any quarterback. They could have brought in Colin fucking Kaepernick on no time to even study the playbook. They probably win. The Broncos probably win that game because Taysom Hill was abysmal. He was abysmal. He barely outplayed a guy who hasn't played quarterback since his high school days. Well, maybe college days. I can't remember. But either way, we saw last year who should be the quarterback for the Saints. And it's not Taysom Hill. Basically, it's not Taysom Hill. Now, I know Jameis Winston was a not good, it's the best way to put it, with the Buccaneers. But he looked really good last year. And he, you know he has ability to throw a fucking football. If you can teach him not to throw interceptions every other play, I think you have a guy who can actually carry a team. Finally, a big thing people are going to watch this year is how Jordan Love is going to play in the preseason. And I think this is going to be interesting because this is pretty much guaranteed to be the last year of Aaron Rodgers with the Packers, right? If Jordan Love is a, I want to I say an, like an average starter level quarterback. If he is an average starter level quarterback, I think that team could still compete for a championship next year. Or hell, this year. I know you're not going to pick Jordan Love over Aaron Rodgers, But when you're looking to the future, if he has any semblance of ability, that team is really well built. And I already talked about this today, but I'm going to continue to talk about it. You take out Aaron Rodgers, that team is still really good. I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to sit here and try to say whether Aaron Rodgers was right or wrong. I don't care. All I know is that whether or not he's pissed, that team is really good. And you're not going to get much better teams in the NFL. Patrick Mahomes doesn't have a better team around him. He has a lot of weapons. He doesn't have a better team around him. He doesn't have a better defense. He doesn't have a better offensive line. He doesn't have a better running game. All he's got is Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. But even look, even looking at it, even looking at it, Aaron Rodgers has Devontae Adams, who was a better receiver than Tyreek Hill. 
He has Bob Tanyan, who isn't even on par with Travis Kelsey. Sure, he's still really good. I don't know. I get why he'd be upset with them picking Jordan Love last year, but that team is really good. I'm sorry, that team is just really good. Basically, what I'm saying is that it's going to be interesting to see what Jordan Love can do, because if he can be the guy, Packers may not be out of it whenever Aaron Rodgers leaves. Uh, moving on to men's soccer, I just want to talk about this for just a split second. USA, going into next year's FIFA World Cup, is actually ranked 10th. That's very, it's, it's very good for the team, because you have seeding for the draws. I'm not exactly sure how it works, but seeded for draws, and hopefully you get a better draw if you're a better rank which it makes sense in theory. So them being ranked 10th, which is the best for USA since 2006, is very impressive, especially after seeing what they did to Mexico. But speaking of Mexico, they're actually ranked 9th, weirdly enough. I get it, it's Mexico, right? Typically they're better than the USA, and typically they're a really solid world team. But they just lost to USA twice this year. One time with America's B team. And they're ninth ahead of the USA? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that part, but again, it's Mexico. I guess I get it, but it's tough to do that whenever they have lost to them twice this year. Looking at the rest of the rankings, Belgium's actually won, which kind of shocks me after their defeat to Italy, or their loss to Italy, whatever you want to say it, in the Euros. Brazil's two, which I haven't seen Brazil play in a long time, weirdly enough. Because I didn't watch any of the Copa America. But either way, uh, Belgium's one, Brazil's two. So finally, we're going to move on to the MLB. The fight for the playoffs are heating up. Right now, Giants still have the best record in the MLB, which is kind of shocking still to me. It's still jarring. But they have the best record in the MLB. Rays and Dodgers are right there, as well as the Brewers and Astros, who are just a game behind the Rays and Dodgers. Who would have thought the Dodgers are good? (laughs) But here's what's crazy. If the season were to end today, the Dodgers and Padres would be playing in the wild card game. Which that is must-see TV if that happens. I'm just like, that would be insane to watch. And honestly, with how many good... Like, I get it. The Dodgers seem overpowered. But the Giants have a better record. The Rays are always good because of the Rays. And the Astros still have their kind of super team over there they're still playing really well finally the brewers i mean they're taking off right now and i think their offense i mean willie adamas is becoming a god and who you know who knows how that team's gonna play i would not say the dodgers winning the championship is a foregone conclusion just yet right now i still i mean you have to pick the dodgers it's tough not to if i say there's a team that's going to beat them i would either say the padres in the wild card game or the Astros. I like. I still like the Astros. I think they have a really good team. You know, whether or not you hate them from 2017, I think was the year, they still have a really good team. And since I feel like it'd be physically impossible for them to be using some kind of cheating without being caught, I still think they have a good shot at winning the championship too. A few other stories from the MLB, looking at the records. Right now, the Braves and the Phillies are both are tied for the division league at 59 and 55. That leaves the Mets in third at 57 and whatever they are. 57 and 56 or something like that. And it kind of just makes you feel like, are the Mets going to Mets it up again? It just feels like every year they're predicted to be this crazy team. They're going to push for a championship. 
and it every year it feels like you know they're predicted to make the playoffs and they're predicted to make a run for the championship and then they miss the playoffs it's every freaking year i don't know why i don't know how but it is and it just feels like with the team they have this year i said it in one of my my actual youtube videos i said it I was like, screw it. I'm buying into the hype this year. And then they just suck. And I'm just like, God damn it. How do you keep messing it up? I just I just don't get it. Simply speaking, they're they're cursed. They must be. There it just doesn't feel like there's any other way around it. If they somehow miss the playoffs this year, which the way the Braves are playing, even without Ronald Acuna. It's looking like it's looking like the Mets are going to miss the playoffs. That's going to be fun. that's going to be that's going to be sad for them. And the Phillies look really good too. Phillies look really good. Next topic, moving on to the Cardinals. Will Nolan Arenado leave after this year or next year? That is a real question. I don't think he's going to leave this year cuz he's an opt-out clause after this year and next year. So I don't think he's going to leave this year. I think he's going to stay at least one more year, see what happens. Because you look at injuries around around that team. Four of their five starters they came into the year with are hurt. That's not the issue on the team, though. I mean, that's not the issue on the team, right? You still have Wainwright, who just pitched a complete game, two-hit shutout. I know it was against the Pirates, but still. He's an ageless wonder. They brought in Wade LeBlanc, who has been really solid for some reason. I know they brought in Lester, who had a really bad first game, but pitched pretty well in the second game. J.A. Happ has actually not been abysmal like he has <laughs> like he usually has been I don't even know what the other pitcher is right now but I mean like the pitching is never the problem the bullpens actually come through and again the bullpen has always been really good at the back end but it's come through recently but it's the hitting right and it's not Nolan Arenado you know it's it's not his fault I mean he hasn't hit the ball great but it's not his fault you just look at that team I mean it's a team that should be good because here's here's the reason it's because you look at the players Dylan Carlson has been solid throughout the year just solid all around, been really good. Nolan Arenado is Nolan Arenado. Paul Goldschmidt's Paul Goldschmidt. The rest of the team, you have Tommy Edmond, who started the year as one of the best hitters in getting on base. You have Tyler O'Neill, who has been very solid throughout the year and had his streak of hitting home runs. You have Harrison Bader, who's just player of the month last year or last month. You still have Yachty, who is another ageless wonder. And like I said, you still have Goldschmidt and Arenado. That team should be good hitting the ball wise it should it still should be good but they aren't and it just doesn't really make sense it really doesn't make sense actually it does make sense I mean if you really get really look at it it's probably the hitting coach I've talked about this before probably at least one podcast if not every one of them their hitting coach Jeff Albert needs to go you know it, it doesn't really make sense why he's still there but it doesn't make sense why they can't hit the ball <laughs> It just doesn't really make sense, and it will not shock me to see Nolan Arenado leave one of these two years if it doesn't turn around. Because why would you come to St. Louis if you're just not going to win, right? Why would you move from one team to another if you're just not going to win? That being said, let's say he leaves one of these two years. Cardinals still got him for free. They still don't have to pay him a single dime if he leaves this year. Next year, I think they have to pay him, what, $10 million? They got $50 million from the Rockies. 50 million. So anyway, you slice it, they won this deal because they pretty much got Nolan Arenado for free. 
Either way, like I said, at this point, it would not shock me to see Nolan leave. Finally, in the MLB, Chris Davis has retired because of injury, it appears. And I didn't know this until, well, just now, but Chris Davis is officially the new Bobby Bonilla. He is, quote-unquote, under contract until 2037. Now, I know Bobby Bonilla is from 2001 to 2035, so it's a little bit longer, but Chris Davis will be paid by the Orioles until 2037, which I find to be really funny. And whenever they signed him, it was like, oh, it's going to be this, you know, this face of the franchise until he retires, and who cares for paying until 2037? And now it's like, oh, well, this is just unfortunate, isn't it? And I, cause I don't really have much else to say on that other than the fact that, like I said, He's just the new Bobby Bonilla, which is pretty crazy. And I actually forgot to talk about this with the NBA, but I just did watch the Malice at the Palace documentary on Netflix. And I don't really know what what much to say about it. I wasn't alive. Or, fuck, that's a lie. I was alive during the time. I was only three. Like, three and a half years old when this happened. So... I didn't know the entire situation. I didn't even know what the Malice of the Palace was until I was in middle school. So it was probably, it was really, considering I'm a Pacers fan, it is really good to see what it was about and kind of see everything about it and now see everything from the inside of what happened. It's very interesting to watch whether you are, you were involved fan-wise or not. I think it's a really good watch to see what happened. It's, re- it's really interesting. It's really entertaining. Uh, it makes me sad for Reggie and Jermaine O'Neal. Deserved, both deserved a championship, which that was the year that they were probably going to, or not probably going to win a championship, but they were going to contend. That team looked really good, and it's really upsetting that it never happened. But another thing is that, what was that fan's name? That, uh, what was it, Charles Haddad? Was that his name? I don't know. The Haddad dude, first off. I mean, first off, fuck John Green for throwing the cup. I mean, cool, whatever. It, it obviously incited everything. But the second, more importantly, that a dad dude was trying to act like, oh, I didn't do anything. Uh, you know, I just got filtered down there, and I just, just saw him, and, he, you know, he just came up and punched me, man. I don't know. The Jamaican, he punched me, man. He fucking hurt, man. I don't know. It's like, dude, you don't just get filtered down into the court during that situation. You know, that. <laughs> and if you watch it, it's like, sure, maybe he was scared, but he squared up. All you have to do is not get punched in the situation is be like, I'm sorry, dude. I'm backing up. I'm backing up. And, you know, maybe it happens, sure. But it's like, he squared up. It's like, why? I don't care who the hell it fucking is. You don't square up against an NBA player. That dude's squared up. Like, ah, I'm going to square up. Then Jermaine came in and nearly killed the man. That was that was interesting. But, like I said, it was a really good watch. And, it, like I said, whether you're a Pacers fan, a Pistons fan, or just an NBA fan, it's a really good watch. It's really entertaining to see what happened and I say entertaining it's pretty dismal if you're a Pacers fan but it's also you know very sad you look at someone like you said in particular Jermaine O'Neal who was on track to be a next top player in the NBA and it just kind of all fizzled out because of that that's pretty much all I have for this episode like I said, it's probably gonna be a little bit shorter there wasn't much in the, in the ways of sports news I tried to just go through the sports and talk about what was going on but like I said there wasn't too much between everything but either way it was a interesting topic like i said check out the mouse of the palace brawl on netflix if you have not or the old untold series mouse of the palace if you have not yet i highly recommend that and other than that if you guys did enjoy please follow the podcast download it or add it to your list or whatever spotify wants you to do or whatever 
whatever you watch it on. And until next time, this is Lucas signing off, and I'll see you guys later.